0: Good morning, everyone. Good morning. Isn't it good to be in the house of the Lord Amen. this morning and that we still have the freedom to do so? Uh, this is not a guess. I know for a fact that if they could, they would shut us down. Just simple as that. They, they And I say they, that's a big they. It encompasses everyone that is not of the Lord or saved now. I'm not saying that some of them couldn't be or can't be. Uh, the Lord will do His work and who He chooses to do it. But by and large, the world is absolutely against everything that's good or kind or holy or just. Yeah. That's just, uh, the, the, the situation of being in sin. And we would be that way if it weren't for the grace of God. So I, I just got to get that out. Uh, it's not a condemnation of them necessarily, but we were condemned too. Right When we look at the Scripture and it says, you're a transgressor. You deserve judgment. You deserve death. You deserve to be in the same place that was prepared for the devil and his angels. But then when we look at that, it crushes our soul. And then we we seek an answer. Well, what is the answer to this judgment, this condemnation of us? And then we seek that. And then the Holy Spirit shows you of the absolute kindness and grace and mercy of God. It brings us to love Him. When we see that He chastises us when we do wrong, we understand and love Him more for it. Not less. We don't have a hatred of God because He chastises us. It's just the exact opposite. The things of of God are, are, and I'm going to talk about this later, I use this scripture a lot, it's foolishness to them. Absolutely. It would be to us too if the Spirit wasn't guiding us and showing us those things. But step out in the world <laughs> and, and try to rebuke somebody. It just doesn't go over very well. And by the way, you know, there are Christians who go, Well, oh, you're a sinner and you're a sinner and I'm better than you. Well, that doesn't work at all anyway where all would be standing in judgment except for the grace of God. But there's nothing wrong with standing up for what, what is right, and I'm going to talk a lot about that. Oftentimes it's like it happens today, you know, sermon, Sunday school lesson, and then when I'm stepping back and looking at them, there's a lot of overlap, you know, developed independently, but maybe it's because of my train of thought and other things. But, uh, or the other thing is that you can't really separate all the scriptures. They always point to one thing. We're sinner and God's holy and, uh, Jesus span that gap between those two. But what I'm talking about is instruction. We, 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 we crave it. We, we need it. It's not as if, well, we, we got a little bit of Jesus in us. We know a little bit and that's enough. It doesn't work that way either. We're supposed to be thirsty. So if you're out in the desert, which we are, just look around. It's not that the earth can't be beautiful. There are not blessings out there. I'm not saying that. But you go out there into the world, it's literally a spiritual desert, right? And so what happens when you're out in the desert? Sun's burning down on you. You're you're traveling to from point A to point B, and all you see is this dust and sand and dryness. What's the condition that brings on? Thirst. You get thirsty. So you're out here in this desert and somebody gives you a drink of water. But you got a long way to go. Is that one drink of water enough? Don't you thirst after that? Well yes, you need constant replenishment of that and you realize that. You, you, you hunger for that as well. It's something you need to be fed, satiated by, and sustained with, and that's what we want. We crave that thing. I remember when we went through Proverbs. Well, really, wasn't that long ago? But we went, you know, verse by verse, proverb by proverb. And there's many uh, verses in there, or much of the proverb is about learning of God, being trained, being approachable, wanting to be reproved, uh, 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 clamoring for wisdom. And the wisdom of this world is nothing. The wisdom of the world now—they think it's this. Let's see. What was that question? Let me Google it. Oh, yeah. Here's the answer. <laughs> right? That's not wisdom. Uh, I better turn this down. Make sure while I'm here, right? But uh, that's not wisdom. They think it is. It's information. And we are just saturated with information. You say, well, some of that's good, yeah. But young folks have access to more evil with that device today than they've ever had access to evil before. And it's right there in their hand. That's why parents need to be absolutely in control of what their children are looking at on that device. Well, it's just whatever. It's just TikTok. It's just this. Those are tools that Satan uses, uh, as a device against your children, our children, our society. And most of society, you know, what, what do they do? Oh, kids acting up. I'm going to give them a tablet. I'm going to get rid of this or I'll keep thinking about it. <laughs> I just give them a tablet. That couldn't be, that's a harmless. And to some degree, I guess maybe it is, but if that's how you occupy your children's time and that's the way you discipline them or that's the way you keep them from acting up or interrupting is throwing some device at them, that's not a good thing. And I see it happen all over. You you can go to Walmart and watch it. You know, some kid acting up and mom shoves a tablet in their face. And yay, I would say sometimes in church, I've seen that. This is the last place you need to be using a phone or tablet. And uh, maybe I'm getting a little judgmental here, but kids need to learn how to behave in church, period. Does it matter whether they understand it all or not? No. But you're disciplining them for one, a lot of things. Respect is one. Have respect for whoever's speaking and everybody else that's trying to listen. Don't be a disruption. Uh, and all those other things that come along with that. And if you raise the child the right way, they, they gravitate to the goodness. And they want it too. Parents are lazy. And I guess what I would like to say, I don't see that in our parents here. Right? Our parents here raise their children pretty well. You know, the ones that I see, I, I know that they're disciplined. I know that they've been trained. They've been raised in the uh, fear and admonition of the Lord. And you can see evidence of those things. Try that on for size out in the schoolyard here. I'm talking about secular stuff. It's just not that way. Uh, kids have always had kind of a mean streak. You know, one kid picks on another. I, I guess to some degree that's normal. It shouldn't occur, and I'm not condoning it in any way. But uh, even children need to learn to contend with that person that dislikes them for whatever reason. You don't even know. I've talked to Teresa Kate that uh, about that not long ago, about this girl. And I said, well, why does she not like you?" I don't know. <laughs> and I had the same thing. I think I told you all a couple of years ago about Teddy Martin. I never knew what that guy had against me, but he hated me, and he picked on me constantly. Drove me nuts. Never knew the reason. And I guess the Lord is just trying to train me to have to deal with some people that are just hateful, right? But the thing is, instruction and wisdom, we should crave such things. Let's go to Proverbs 9, speaking of Proverbs. And we're gonna go to verse 9 and 10. Proverbs 9, verse 9 and 10. All right, it says this, verse 9, give instruction to a wise man and he will be yet wiser. Teach a just man and he will increase in learning. You try to reprove, I'm not reading now, you try to reprove someone again that's not in the Lord, it can be dangerous. They can come after you. And not that God's not going to protect you, don't get me wrong. But they get their hackles up. Well, who are you to try to tell me how to live or what's right or wrong? And you go down this trail of, and I mentioned this I think last time and I said it before, this, oh, well, you're just a hypocrite. This is hypocrisy. No, I'm trying to give you the words of life that we live by too, that sinners can be converted that there is a wisdom that we need to go after. It's something that's so much higher than ourselves we can't understand or to comprehend it, yet the Lord gives us the Holy Spirit to show us those beautiful things and we we try to walk in the Spirit and live thereby. We don't do it perfectly. No man can walk perfectly. But we want to become more spiritually mature. We don't want to remain in this... Uh, uh status of just being a babe and being satisfied with, you know, just a little bit of Jesus. Really, when you should think about it, we, we never get enough, right? I can never hear enough about his mercy or his forgiveness or his sacrifice for sinners or or his advocacy of us, and he can stand there at the right hand of God defending us, which he does every day. Verse 10 The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom and the knowledge of the holy is understanding. That defines what understanding or knowledge or apprehension of wisdom is. It's the divine things. It's the holy. And so when we begin to examine the holy, what does it reveal in us? That we're unholy. We're undeserving. That we are sinners. And it it, it, just because I was converted whatever age I am, 58 years ago, 6 years old, still remember it, still remember Brother Zeller, still remember those things. But I've made mistakes since then. Quite a few of them. I've transgressed, I've gotten down the wrong path, I've uh, fallen, and the Lord still loves me. And that's the beauty of that. And not that I sin the more that... Forgiveness abounds. God forbid that that would happen. But you know exactly what I mean. When you're converted and you're trying to live right, the battle's on. We're going to talk more about that later. But you're at war, period. You're at war. You don't choose. Sometimes, I guess, as nations, we can choose to go to war here and go to war there. And by the way, I think 99% of the stuff that we get into is just filthy decisions from filthy men with their own avarice and desire and greed in mind uh, and I was part of that I was part of the military complex I served and I and things that I thought were honorable and now that I look back on them I'm just not so sure about some of it that what was the real purpose behind that and I can tell you behind a lot of it it is Satan and his again driving these greedy evil men to do things and control the poor and you try to talk to them or teach them. You try to tell some of these politicians right from wrong or you shouldn't do this or shouldn't do that. They're going to get very upset with you. How dare you? How dare you? Or you try to tell them, well, you say that you're a Christian yet you support these evil things. And I'm going to give a list of those later. You know what they are. They're in our prayers and things like that. But uh, they They get offended. And the thing is, when the word's given, you know that that offense can can take you to two places. When you're offended by the word of God that's presented to you, you can get offended and get bitter over that. Well, how dare God or anybody else tell me how to live or what rights I do and do not have? Or it can you can be offended to the point and think you know that offends me, but they're right. I am a sinner. I I have failed. And then you gravitate, well then, what do I do about that? And then if you begin to consider that if there is a holy God and I'm so far from His holiness, is there hope for me? Is there hope for me? And that should break your heart. So... I can tell you is, there is no hope for you except for one thing. You can't get yourself out of it. You can't think your way out of it. You can't study your way out of it. You can't do anything until the Holy Spirit, by the election of God, moves upon you to where you crave such things. And you want to be where? Here in the house of the Lord? You want to be with people of like minds? And this is where we have hope and safety. I was going to talk about sheep today. That ended up not being part of either one of these discussions, uh, at least on paper. But that's what we are, sheep. I, I've made this joke before. Have you ever seen a sheep out there, this, this flock of sheep on the move and they're out there attacking things? Well, no, that's not what a sheep does, right? They kind of walk around eating grass and doing their thing. They're happy, but they can't protect themselves. There's not much they can do. The best really they can do just as a flock on their own is try to stay together. But sheep don't do that either without some guidance, you know, or controlled and kept together and they listen to the shepherd. Sheep just aren't very smart. But the thing is, is they're indefensible. They can't defend themselves. They don't have weapons. They need to have a protector. They need to have someone not just that protects them from the wolves and the bears and lions or whatever it happens to be about, but also protects them from themselves. Sheep will just eat up everything. All of it. But you need to move them from place to place to place. Uh And they have to be guided to do so. And that's us. I watched a really neat video the other day of this. You've watched probably sheep dogs in action. It's amazing how smart these animals are. You know, this guy's probably got about 200 sheep or so, and they're trying to get them from this area of eating to another area, but they had to go through this zone. And so they're doing pretty good. You know, they're finding the gate and you see 200 sheep all in unison walking. But they get through the big gate and they all turn this way. Because whoever, whichever one was moved first, well, we're all going to go that way. This sheep's going that way. And it's one little whistle and that dog is on it. That's a good thing. He protects them. So he goes over there, a yipe, yipe or two, and you see 200 sheep make an immediate 90 degree turn and start moving in unison. And it's not just, well, one move, then a couple more. All of them at exactly the same time make the turn. To go where? To a better pasture. <laughs> one that's got tall grass. One that needs to be, uh, 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 I guess, there to feed them, but... Needs to be culled and, and used as well. You need to use that land, that grass, that whatever. But it was just amazing to watch this, and with the precision that the the shepherd using his tool, which is the dog, to guide them. And I know I've used this example before. You know I've, I've seen the the videos, and it was a multiple sheep coming to this watering uh, hole. And there's herds upon herds, and you see the shepherds, they're kind of talking on the side. And you know, when the first time I saw this, I thought, they're gonna get all mixed up. But they don't. The shepherd leaves, he does his whistle or call or whatever it happens to be. The sheep know it, they hear his voice, and what do they do? Oh, there goes the master. I'm gonna follow him. He does good things for us. He takes us to water, takes us to good food. Uh, he's our protector. They learn that. But this is not something that's automatic. They're trained and they're brought up by other sheep to follow and they do what they're doing. And it's this uh, uh, continuing thing of learning the voice of the shepherd. And that's what we need to be like. I talk too much. 1 Corinthians 1. Wisdom. The world hates Wisdom. Do they like some knowledge and things? Well, yeah. Uh, I've met some really smart people uh, in in my vocation in meteorology. I was not a meteorologist. Uh, couldn't handle probably all of the instruction that went along with it. I'm, I'm an operational forecaster. But meeting some guys that uh, can talk about chaos theory, this one guy from MIT, I would just sit and listen to him. He could... Teach in relatively simple ter- terms for sailors to understand, but it was just amazing his his mind and how he thought. And there's no nothing wrong with those kinds of things. you are aspiring to that, but if that's all you have in your life, you're empty. You're still empty. How many people that did you you've heard these stories that before the uh, or at the time of the fall of our economy in the thirties? They just leaped out of buildings. They had nothing else to live for. Or how many men have worked their entire life, sacrificing time with their families and other things and they get to the end and think, well, I've amassed all these things yet. I'm still unhappy. I've gotten the world, yet I'm still not satisfied. Because they left out the main thing, the wisdom of God, the pearls of spiritual wisdom that they could have attained. They didn't seek it, they didn't want it. All they did was speed sell. First Corinthians chapter one verse seventeen <clears throat> For Christ sent me not to baptize, <clears throat> but to preach the gospel, not with wisdom of words, lest the cross of Christ should be made of none effect. For after uh, that, in the wisdom, excuse me, for after that, in the wisdom of God, the world by wisdom knew not God. it pleased God by the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. If you think about 200 years ago, maybe even less, most of our institutions, universities, they were God-fearing, believing men. You can go back and read some of them. Many of them I still didn't agree with. Uh, they were deists uh god's God, but he just kind of created stuff and left he'll come back and check on us later. you know uh he's the master clockwinder that's all he did He just wind things up, which those are all lies god's a hands- on god he's involved in, in uh, humanity and his people, and he knows what's going on. so a lot of those i didn't necess- uh, i don't necessarily agree with most of their theology, if you want to call it that, but many were. They were God-fearing men. Well, now look at your universities, what they're filled with. Hateful people that despise true wisdom. And despise is not a harsh enough word of how they feel about real wisdom. And then they want to drive that wisdom down your throat. They want to take your children and subject them to things that are just unholy and unwise and you can't teach them you can't talk to them they get upset and angry I'm going to talk more about that later Psalm 1 in closing and you're very familiar with this but this is, is such a, a poignant piece in Psalm chapter 1 I mean, if you can probably quote this by heart blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly we're surrounded by him nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful. But His, our delight, our delight is in the law of the Lord, and in His law doth He meditate day and night. And then here's the promise. And He shall be planted, or be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that bringeth forth His fruit in His season. His leaf also shall not wither, and whatsoever He doeth shall prosper. What a wonderful promise that is. But you you probably heard this preached from dozens, if not hundreds, of times in your lifetime. Is how firm a foundation we have when our roots are planted within the Lord. And His precepts. And founded on, on things that cannot be moved, cannot be changed. They're immutable. And the ungodly are not so. But they're like the chaff which the wind driveth away. Therefore the ungodly shall not stand in the judgment nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. Now I've thought about that one little clause in there, not stand in the judgment. I'll give you my interpretation of that. When every knee, everyone standing before God, every knee shall bow and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. We can be standing after the judgment because Christ saved us. But all those others are still, in my mind, are going to be prostrate because they know uh, they didn't accept God. They didn't follow Him. They spurned Him at every turn. You can take that maybe a different way and look at it, but we will be standing Upheld by his righteous hand. There's a song that talks about that. I think it's Jesus paid it off. But his righteous, omnipotent hand allows us to stand before almighty God and judgment is passed from us to them. I want to be upheld by the righteous and omnipotent hand of God. I, I have no strength or power of my own. If it were left up to just Carl's desire, I wouldn't follow God. God has to instill those things in me to give me spiritual clarity where I can see that I crave those good things because I know what's in my heart. I know the blackness that's here and how pervasive that could be without the power of God in it. I know what I am. I'm weak. I want to go to verse 1 of the next chapter. Really, these kind of blend together. But we're going to talk more about these guys later. But why do the heathen rage and the people imagine a vain thing? What's the vain thing that they can imagine? They're going to win. They're going to be on the righteous side. They're okay. No judgment will come. God's love. Well, yes, he is love. But God is also full of wrath and vengeance. Right? Right? We would all deserve it. And that's what we recognize. God is holy and His wrath is deserving to go on all sinners, which I would be part of. But for whatever reason, He set me apart from them and showed me wonderful things. And that's why we're a happy people. And uh, the only way that we can stand is again through God holding us up and i I praise the Lord that He does that with each and every one of us, and that it's not our own strength, which one of us would want to say, "Well, I got myself part of the way there. God just finished it off. <laughs> it just doesn't make sense, does it uh, i I don't want no part of my salvation if if it, if I had any part of it, it would be so contaminated, it would be filthy. But if it's all him and not us, how perfect and beautiful is that thing that He brought to us. The thing that we couldn't comprehend, understand, uh, apprehend, grab onto, uh, we couldn't do any of those things except the power of the Lord and the Spirit revealed it to us and gave us the strength to try to follow thereby. (coughs) And to understand that we're going to fall, I I, I don't want to say that failure is inevitable, but you're going to fall you can't get on the trail in most cases and not get off the trail from time to time. All that does is mean that you're human, you're you're weak. But then when we fall, it's not how you fall that matters, it's how you get back up. And that Christ will revive you and set you upright again to walk. And then we continue to try that walk. As led by the Holy Spirit, Father, we thank you that we can see these things in the world and and you have uh, every right to to judge the things of the world we do not, but Father give us the uh, wisdom and, and understanding and deference to to know how to deal with the uh, either those that aren't yours or are not converted yet the there are troubles there on every side dealing with them. But Father, give us the ability to be able ministers and to share the word with those that are yours and that the Holy Spirit would move in your elect as we share those things. In Jesus' name, amen.